I'm so full of his presence right now. I'm not sure if I can speak. But I, I get to I get to share the word with you guys this morning and I always say this, but I'll never stop honoring the the privilege it is to be able to come in front of you and share what God has put in my heart um, for you guys. I just, I, I, to, I don't take it lightly. Let me just say that. I don't take it lightly. So um, I, I feel honored and privileged to be able to, just to stand here and be able to share the word with you. Um, this message was sparked from a really beautiful conversation we had with an awesome couple that are here this morning. And this week we had, um, we had breakfast with them and and we were talking about our vision, and we were talking about our vision is really just to see a good community, a healthy community. And so, um, so this message was birthed from that. So aren't, aren't, you awesome, aren't you glad for awesome conversations that birth really beautiful moments? I heard somebody say this, a community of believers that reign in life and can make people belong before they even believe is a community that's touched by heaven. A community of mature believers that reign in life and can make people belong even before they believe. I feel like we have that here. I feel like people feel like they belong and they might not even believe or know what they believe or or understand what they believe, but they belong to something. And I think as humans, we're all searching to to belong to something. We want to belong to a family or to a community or we want to, we want to be significant. And I feel like a community of people can make the world feel like that. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Um, I don't know if any of you have met my mother, but if you have, you would understand. You'll understand where I'm coming from when I tell you this story. Um, this is the first time I ever ditched school in junior high. Um, so my mom was the mom that... If I had a slumber party, every single one of my friends was going to say the sinner's prayer before they left my house. <laughs> Not kidding. I remember this one slumber party I had, and I, um, it was the fir- very first time my Mormon best friend got to spend the night anywhere else, and she came to my house. And I just remember, like, my friend, like, literally having visions of angels descending from heaven into the living room. And like encountering God, I will never forget that. So that's my mom. That's who my mom is. And that's how I was raised. But this one day in junior high, I decided that it might be a fun idea to ditch school and go to our friend's house. And, um, my mom gets a phone call because I, um, I was the volunteer for the office of my junior high. And, um, and so they were really concerned because Rochelle wasn't at school. So I was doing something that wasn't a part of who I was. It wasn't my nature. It wasn't something I did all the time. So the office called my mom, and and she's home, and and they said, we're just really concerned because Rochelle uh, isn't here, and is she sick, or is she okay? And my mom's like, I sent her to school, and I'm going to find her. So my mom gets dressed and gets up, and she goes to my junior high, and she starts questioning all my friends. And she knows exactly which one of my friends did not show up to school and then goes to their house. So there was like, there was like two other ditch parties that I didn't go to that day. Thank you, Jesus. That my mom completely ruined because she, she went knocking on the door and she's like, 
where's Rochelle? They're like, she's not here. And and she's like, if you guys don't go to school, I'm going to call all your moms. And she knew all their phone numbers. This was my mother. So then she goes to the next one. She's, she knocks on the door and they're scared to open, but they know who she is. So they open the door. Where's Rochelle? She's not here. So they said, you better get to school or I'm going to call all your moms. So they all get to school. So that's like the second thing. And then the third place she goes is where I am. And I was so afraid. I was, what is she going to do? I was so scared. And so I, me and my, um, my little sister who's teaching kids church. So don't hold this against us because we have received grace since this moment. So we go and hide in the bathtub. Because maybe she won't find us if we're in the bathtub. So we're literally, we're in the bathtub and the door of the, of the bath, the window of the bathroom's open. So I can hear her walking. I'm going to find those girls. They better not be doing nothing bad. I can hear her. And then she's like praying and speaking in tongues. And she's like, she's like this woman on a mission. She's like, I'm going to find my babies. And, um, I can imagine as a mom now what she must be thinking because I have children that age and God have mercy on them. If they ever tried something like that, cause that would not be all right. They would not see sunlight for a really, really long time. So my mom, she has some grace, but she was going to find her babies. And I remember her knocking on the door and I remember my friend, um, I'm sorry. No, they're not here. She's like, you're not telling the truth. You're lying to me. My girls are in this house. You better let me in. Remember this? So she comes in and we're like, please don't let her find us. Please don't let her find us. Me and my sister are standing in the bathtub. Please don't let her find us. We'll never do this again. Please don't let her find us. Sure enough, she comes in the bathroom. I know you're in here. You better come out right now. If you're not out of this house in five minutes, I'm going to come in there and find you. We're like, okay, she's going to find us. Let's just go out. So we go out and we leave and she, you know, she found us. She tracked us down. Um, But sometimes we do things that aren't in our nature. They go against who we really are. And we find ourselves trying to hide in the dark places. Because it's not who we really are. See, if I was the kind of daughter that I did that all the time, My mom would have never known because I wouldn't have had the school office call home, you know, but I'm also always, I always got caught. Every time I tried to do something bad, I got caught. That was me. That's Jesus protecting me. That's what I say today. I tell my kids, you have that same anointing. So don't try anything. (laughs) Jesus loves you so much. You're going to get caught every time. I'm going to read this scripture, Ephesians five, if we can get that up. So many times we do things in the dark, but it's not who we are. The scripture says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. If 
we walk in the light as he is in the light, the Bible says we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses our sin. There's something that happens when we choose to say, I will not hide in the dark places, but I will let his love and who he is, the light of who God is, shine and bring light to every area of my life. Every area of my life. So I believe what it looks like to have healthy life and healthy community is live in the light. Live in the light. Don't let darkness consume. Don't go to places. It's not who we are. Don't hide in the dark places. I see three things, and this is what we got out of our breakfast the other day, but I see three things that that are attributes of what we can look like when we choose to live in the light of who we are before God and before our community. And the first thing I see is that we live open-hearted. I heard this story once about this tribe in Africa and when they come up to somebody, they, they have a fist over their heart and they open up their hand and that's their greeting. And that's how they greet every person. They, they go like this and then they open up their hand. But if they have aught with their brother, they go like this and they close their hand. And that means I need to talk to you. I need to, um, I need to, I need you to know what's going on with me or we need to have a conversation. You know, in our Christian culture, we just smile and forget about it, dust it under the rug and then talk about somebody behind their back. That's what we choose to do. But this culture, we can learn so much from cultures that live open heartedly. They just, when they greet you, you know, if there's something going on, if we learn to live open heartedly. Saying, if there's something inside, I'm going to let you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal it to you. I'm going to choose to live a life that's transparent and open and vulnerable. You know, I look at our church, I look at like a family. You know, if I correct my children, that does not give them a right to move out of my house. You know, me and my sisters, I have two sisters that are, I'm very close to. We were raised in an all girls home. Well, I mean, like I I wasn't raised in a girls home. I was raised with my mom and no dad and no brother. So that's what I mean. It kind of felt like an all girls home at times. Um, but me and my sisters are really, really close. I've probably had the most fierce conversations with them and my husband than I have with anybody else in my life. Fierce conversations. Why? Because we're family. Because if I wake up tomorrow and we fight today, she's still my sister and he's still my husband and that's still my mom and you're still my kid. We're family. But in the church, sometimes we don't look at each other like that. Or in life, when we do life with people, we don't engage with people that same way. It's almost like, you know, we just give each other an out of relationship but you're my sister. You're my brother. Life looks different when we're in him. Life looks different when we choose to be followers of Christ, because that means we're family. There's no out when it comes to family. You know, um, one of our spiritual fathers says discipleship, um, is relational and you can't be teachable unless you are correctable also. And so I say that, but I also remember the first time he corrected me. 
because I felt it. And I was all, what? He, he said something, and, and I honor this man of God. He is incredible. He's 70 years old. He's got 50 years of apostolic ministry. Him and his wife are amazing, and I honor him. But I remember the first time he was at my house, and he looked at me. He said, you don't talk to your children or treat them a certain way because they're pastor's kids. You talk to them and treat them a certain way because they're your kids. And I know that doesn't seem like it could be extreme or, or anything, but I was like, what? Wait. And if you know me, you know that I'm not the kind of person that, um, that likes people to talk to me like that. Um, if you have something to say, you have to say it like really smooth and nice, or, um, there's this side of me that kind of will like, what? The next thing. So when he said that to me, I was like, I was a little taken back and it took me some time to process because I honor this man. But when he, the correction that brought truth, that transformed me only because I allowed it, because I said, if I'm going to be a disciple, I'm going to be correctable and teachable. Can't be teachable, not correctable. It's the same thing. And so when you choose to live with your heart open you say, this is it. This is real. This is life. This is what it looks like. I will choose to not hide in dark places. The second thing I see is be honest. First, you have to be honest with yourself. You know, um, I think it's like an old kind of proverb thing. And it says, um, It's the foolish man looks in the mirror, sees mud and walks away without washing it off. And I just see that as choosing not to be honest with who you are. See, sometimes we deflect the mirror because we don't want to see the reflection because the reflection is not what we're reflecting outside. Does that make sense? Sometimes we choose not to look in the mirror because we see the real reflection and it's not what we're reflecting to people. Because the real reflection shows you who you really are. Now, if you're honest with yourself, which is so important, you can be honest with yourself and say, okay, this is not okay. This is okay. This is awesome. Jesus loves me no matter what, but this is not okay. I do that kind of stuff with myself a lot. I choose to look in the mirror, not to... Um, overemphasize any fault I might have or not to focus on any, any uh, failures I might have walked through, but just to, to take a really strong, good look and say, Rochelle, what are you lacking? What do you need? Where are you weak? Let's strengthen those areas. Where are you strong? Let's walk right in those. Just being honest with yourself. Um, it's like our heart in worship. And I think Harold Eberly says this is when, when you come to the Lord in worship and you don't deal with things in your heart and you come in the presence of the Lord, but you're not honest with things in your heart, they crystallize and solidify in your heart. They become harder to deal with the next time you come into worship. And I'm, that, that when he, when he said that, I was like, what? No wonder we can come into the presence of the Lord with issues and never get right because they just crystallize 
solidify, and then it's harder to break those things up. But moments of worship where we come, like this morning, and we're just say, God, this is my heart. Give it all to you. Honest with you. The second thing is being honest with God. You know, there's been times in my life where I've honestly said, God, I am so angry with you right now. I am so sad with you right now. I'm so disappointed with you. Do you not think that God can't handle those hard questions? He's God. I think sometimes we're afraid to bring him our real feelings because um, he's like going to get mad or he can't handle how we really feel. Let me just let you know, he already knows how you really feel. When you're honest with him, he says, okay, now you're honest with me. Now we can go somewhere. Now we can talk about this. I remember there was this moment in our lives and it was right before we planted the church. And I was just so angry with God. I was just, I wasn't satisfied with just him and, and what, what was happening in our life. And I remember having this moment where, um, me and my husband had a fierce conversation and I think fierce conversations in marriages are so important. You know, you have to have a safe place, but we were having this fierce conversation and my husband looked at me. He's like, honey, you need to tell God and you need to worship and release it. I was just so, um, bitter and angry and I just took it out on God, probably because of bad theology and, and not right living. But for whatever reason, I decided he was the, going to be my scapegoat in that moment. I had to take it to him. And I remember Sitting in my, I can, I will never forget this moment. We're in our house and I remember we had a desk in our house and I remember my husband goes over and he puts on one of my favorite worship leaders and one of my favorite worship songs and it's Rita Springer and she sings a song, all I need to do is worship. All I need to do is say his name out loud. All I need to do is lift my hands, surrender and bow down. All I need to do is find him. And all I need to do is let his presence come. And I remember that moment where I was honest with God. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. God, we have no money. We don't know where we're going to eat. We don't know where our kids are going to get clothes. And I, what my circumstances are saying one thing, but I know you're faithful, but I'm so mad because you're not showing up right now. How I want you to show up. You're not in this moment. I don't feel you. I can't touch you. You're not answering my cry. And then I sat in his presence in a moment of honesty with myself and with God. And I just said, this is how I feel. And he answered because he always answers. He always answers when you can come to a place and say, this is my heart. God. And then we are honest with people because if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with God, then it's so easy for me to be real and honest with people. This is how I feel. This is who I am. You know, you're doing this and it annoys me, so stop. Whatever it is, just being honest and letting my heart be real. You know, when we, when we were going to plant this church, I, I told my husband, um, and not in a negative way, I just had not met a pastor's wife I saw myself emulating. 
Because every pastor's wife I had ever met was either broken and distant or untouchable to my hands. And it could have just been my cultures. It could have been a number of things. I had just never met one for me personally. And so I, our heart was, what does it look like to have a real community where you're relatable and not untouchable? Because I don't think that's healthy. Um, we said, what is it going to look like? And let me tell you, being myself hasn't always been easy because some people don't like it and that's okay. I've had to be okay with that. I've had to say, I am okay with who I am because you made me God. I am okay with my personality. I'm okay with my anointing and my gifting. You know how hard it was for me for years to marry to a man who does worship like he does and not have one bit of talent in my finger, not even a tiny little bit. You know how hard that was for my identity to walk through that because, oh, well, Zach does worship. What do you do? Nothing. I teach the kids. I serve the children for years and years and years and years. I love them well. That's what I did. But God is like, you're more than enough. And I'll give you every desire of your heart. And I will lift you up when you feel down. And you are more than enough. Because sometimes in my desire to be me, to be just the Rochelle God made me, people don't like it. They don't want to see my faults. They don't want to see my, my down days. And when people get close enough to see who you really are, sometimes they don't like to see who you really are, but I let them get close anyway. So the desire to be real and honest has come with a lot of hurt and rejection, but it's worth it for me because I have chosen. I can't live any other way. I can't, I can't live any other way. It's too hard. You know, we're talking, I've, I heard this, um, this motivational message one time about having to spin plates and wear hats. And the context was learn to do many things all the time and wear the different hats for different situations. And I was listening to this message and I was like, it wasn't a message. It was like a motivational speaking kind of thing. And I was, I was in this and I was listening and, um, and I was like, God, I, that's not me. So later I talked with God about it. And, um, I said, I don't, I don't think I could do that. He's like, I never asked you to, I never asked you to spin plates or wear hats. I asked you to be you. And for me, that was so freeing because I was like, yeah, I'm not supposed to spin plates. Now, I'm not supposed to wear a different hat when I'm mom and a different hat when I'm wife and a different hat when I'm working and a different hat when I'm a pastor. I wear the hat of Rochelle, God's identity for me and who he made me to be. And out of that place comes everything that I'm called to be and everything that people need me to be. Just me. I don't wear hats and I don't spin plates. The third thing. Um, that I see is walking in honor. Now, in our attempt to create a culture that, what did I say in the beginning, a community of mature believers that reign in life and can make people belong before they believe is a culture of honor. 
and not a culture of honor so that I'm served well. Because that would be convenient, but that's not what God wants. It's not a, a culture of honor is not so that the leaders can be put on a pedestal and have 10 armor bearers and somebody that buys them coffee every week and, and brings juice or whatever you need to your house at whatever hour of the night. That's not what a culture of honor is for. A culture of honor says that every single person that's sitting in this room has just as much value as I do. And when you live in a culture of honor, every person, every person feels valuable. Every person feels like they are a part of something. Not just the person with the mic and not just the person that opens the door. Every single person in a culture of honor, in a place where every person is valuable, they feel it. They know it. You know, Zach says something, a culture of flattery will make you think that you're more gifted than you really are. But a culture of honor will pull gifts out of you that you never knew you had. Honor says we are all valuable and significant. See, a culture in a culture of honor, there is responsibility and correction, but it's not with threats and punishment. See, threats and punishment are opposite of the culture that God has designed for us. It's easy to build a good culture where people serve a lot when your basis is fear and punishment. Because people will do anything so they don't have to fear or or be punished. It's almost inside of us as children. We're taught to have fear because if we do something wrong, we're going to be punished. Instead of the culture that God created where there is a culture that says you have, a, you have to decide the road you're going to take because each road leads to a consequence. There's no punishment in this culture. We call out purpose in people. We call it out through life and with dignity. See, we can see somebody that is walking away that is not according to what God would say because we can see what they're doing is hurting themselves. And we can, with love and in honor, say, that is hurting you. If you don't turn around, you're going to hurt yourself. That's calling out purpose with dignity. Not punishment or threats or, or you're going to go to hell or any of these things that we've conjured up in our minds that churches do all the time. But saying, no, like if you keep doing that, it's destructive. It will hurt you. And God loves you too much to leave you in that place where it's going to hurt you and keep hurting you. So you walked in this door so we could love you and with honor say and dignity say you have purpose, life and destiny. That's what a culture of honor does. That's what it does. See, in that environment, shame is removed because we love. People can come as they are. Why? Because they're not shamed. They're loved. When you're not shamed, when you are loved, you will, it will transform who you are. Love calls us who we are not. And what we, um, I'm sorry, love calls us who we are, not what we have done. Even if what we've done has, seems like our most present reality. 
Sometimes our failures become our most present reality and we choose to walk in our failures as that is our identity when it's not. Love calls us who we are. Who we are. See, what love says is you're my child, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're royalty, you have destiny. That's what love says. So many times because of our circumstances or because of things that we've done, we walk in our most present reality of our circumstances, but that's not our identity. It's not your identity. You have to walk in love and what he says and let shame be removed. Let shame be removed. What love does is it brings us to our present state before God. See, um, I I got to speak to our ladies yesterday and I talked about um, what it means to be righteous and it means that um, God is not at war with you because the scripture says that um, in Psalm um, that we have right standing before God and then the next verse it says, and God is at peace with us. So many times because of shame and because of past failures, we have put God at war with us. We've made it so that there's this conflict between us and God that's invisible. So God's not at war with you. God is not at war with you. God is in love with you. And his love just keeps coming, just keeps flowing. It's It's like the ocean. We cannot stop the waves of the ocean the same way you cannot stop the love of God that is being poured out for you over and over and over again. See, if we know what love is and what honor is, we call people out of shame, out of darkness, into light. The light of who God is. we close, I just really feel like God wants to remove shame from from some people this morning. See, he's so good. He's so good that you walked in this place covered in shame and guilt and the Lord said, I'm going to speak to you life and purpose and destiny. He's so good that You walked in this place not understanding even why you might have come or or even what you would have gotten out of this. And the Lord is saying to you, it's because of my great love for you that I just want to reveal who you really are. Society does no good when we just call out darkness in people. We don't do any good when we just see shame and guilt and condemnation and we, we... It's easy for me to look at somebody who's broken and hurting and in sin and say, you're a sinner. That is easy. I don't even have to be a Christian to do that. Actually, that's not even Christian-like. It's easy to say that. What we're called to do is say, hey, look, what you're doing is hurting yourself. But here's the answer of hope and life. His name is Jesus. And even while you were a sinner, he still died for you. Even when you feel like you didn't deserve it or you weren't worth it, he still 
died for you. He still took on sin and he still took on hurt and pain for you because of his great love for you. See, that's the difference. We call somebody who they are, not what, not what they, not what they're doing. Jesus, I pray that we would be the kind of people that just call out gold in the earth. That go into the dark places and expose the dark and bring light. See, light cannot live. Darkness cannot live where there's light. Sometimes we feel like it's the darkness that covers and consumes the light, but it can't. Darkness can't consume light. Light expels darkness. So when we choose to live in the light, he's there. God, you're with us. God, we love you. If I can have our prayer team just come up and be ready, come stand behind me. If you're in this place and And I know there's going to be several people that are, if you're in this place and you might not even know who God is, you might not even have ever heard about Jesus or about what he's done for you. I just encourage you that this is your moment in time. This is your day to find out who you really are. And I encourage some of you, maybe you've been hiding in the dark places like I was when I was in eighth grade, like in the bathtub, not expecting God to find me. And my mom just walked in the room. See, sometimes God just walks in our room of darkness and he just says, come out because it's not who you are. Come out of that place because it's not what I've said that you, um, that you're supposed to do. It's not who you are. So I just encourage you this morning to just receive whatever God has for you. Because his great love for you, it's unending. It never stops. And he loves, he loves, he loves you. Loves you. Amen. I'm going to dismiss those that would like to be dismissed. We love you. Have an amazing, amazing, beautiful Sunday afternoon. And if you need prayer for anything or you just want to worship or you just need to just spend some time with Jesus, we're going to have lots of afterglow time right now. And um, the worship team's just going to sing and, and play. And I encourage you, come spend some time on the carpet. I spent three and a half years on a carpet crying every Sunday night and all I learned after that three and a half years was that God loves me some of us are a little bit more hard headed than others three and a half years God's just saying I love you Rochelle I love you Rochelle you're my daughter Rochelle you're more than enough Rochelle so I encourage you if you need to come and spend some time on the carpet or you need to pray with somebody come now But everybody else, you're dismissed. We love you. Be blessed and have an amazing day. Amen.